Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church. We don't realize that it maybe it just stuns us to think, why would he give his life for mine? His love is so great. He is Lord. He's worthy of all worship. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Bless his name as he sings. Would you stand with me? We're going to do a medley. Crown him King of kings and then bless be the name as we worship him together.
your life or mine. We thank you for the cross, Lord, that you would love one like us and go to that cross. Hear our praise, Lord, as we sing. Yeah. 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing The Lord has promised good to me, His word, my hope, secures, He will my shield and portion me as long as life endures. My chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy unending love shall soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be
Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. Lord, thank you, Ashley, for that special music this morning. If you will, turn in your Bible with me again this morning to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And this morning we're going to be looking at proof of a spirit-filled life. As you're turning there in your Bibles, let's go to the Lord together in prayer this morning. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for another opportunity to enter into your word. Lord, you've prepared our hearts as we've spent time in worship, lifting up our hearts and our voices to you. Uh, and Lord, you've given us opportunities to spend time in prayer and in the, in the worship of, of giving. And now, Lord, I pray that you speak to us in a very uh, clear way uh, when it comes to the, the life that we live. And is there proof that we are yours? Is, is there proof that the Spirit dwells within us and that the Spirit has complete control over our lives? Are, are we living a life where we say that we have a relationship with you, but it seems that everything else in this world has the real control of our life, has the real possession of our life? And so, uh, Lord, speak to us, convict us, encourage us. Lord, equip us uh, this morning as only you can. Lord, I know that I'm a very weak vessel, and I pray that you would have me behind the cross that only you'd be seen and that only you'd be heard, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I were to uh, go around the sanctuary this morning, and if I were to ask you what the greatest need of Bryansburg Baptist Church is, um, some of you might say, well, our, our greatest need maybe is we need a new building or um, additional space. Some might say we need uh, more parking spaces. Some people might say uh, we just need more people or we need uh, more money. We need more finances. Um, some people would say we need a better pastor. Um, I heard the amen. <laughs> who amen that? I heard it. I heard it back there. Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> well, there's probably the same number of answers to that question as there are the number of us in here this morning. All of us might have a different idea of what the greatest need of our church is. We might have a variety of different answers to that question. But since I am the one who has the pulpit this morning, I get to tell you what I think it is. And so you have to listen because you came. Uh, I believe our greatest need is none of the things we just mentioned. It's none of those things. I believe our greatest need when it comes to the church, not just our church, but the church in general, is the medicine that Paul is prescribing this morning here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And he, he, he prescribes it here to the church at Ephesus, but I believe that we need to hear it as well today in Brinesburg, Kentucky. He tells them that they need the power of the Spirit of God working in their midst, that that's their greatest need. And I would suggest to you that that is 
directly what he would tell us this morning as well. That's what the Lord would tell us today. If we came to the place where the majority of, of us in this congregation were truly walking in the Spirit and, and living Spirit-filled lives, all the things that we mentioned before would happen. We would have so many more people that we would need more space and we would need more parking spaces. And, and, and because of the numbers coming, we would have more finances and you might get a better pastor, okay? All those things would happen if we were truly living spirit-filled lives. But let me tell you something. We as Baptists are kind of known for being a little bit afraid of the Holy Spirit. You ever notice that? We're, we're known for being a little hesitant of, of, you know, getting into the Holy Spirit taking over and having full reign. We're afraid that he's going to make us do funny stuff and, you know, jump pews and start hollering. I've never seen that as an issue here. Um, I don't believe it will be this morning, but we're afraid of those things. And so we, we, we kind of look at the Holy Spirit and we keep him at a distance because there's a tendency to avoid emphasizing the presence of the ministry of, of the Holy Spirit because of fear that, that it's going to mean that people are going to think something weird about us. Well, I just want to go on record this morning, and I want to tell you that we need Him and all that He brings with Him if we are going to do what God's called us to do as a church. We need more of the Holy Spirit. We need Him to take over. We need Him and His presence and His power in a desperate way. We need Him today. And so we shouldn't fear the, the Spirit of God. We should welcome Him and we, we should actively create an atmosphere where He feels at home, an atmosphere where He can work and, and be unhindered in the work that He desires to do in each and every one of our lives as individuals, but also in our families and, a, and as a corporately as a church, that He feels freedom to move. Notice with me this morning that Paul is telling the Ephesian believers that the Spirit-filled life is all about allowing the, the Holy Spirit to have control, complete control. He tells them that when they are walking in the Spirit, there will be proof of the presence in their mindset. There, there, there should be proof when people look at your life that you're not living under your own power, that you're not living and doing what you do uh, because of your own uh, intellect or because of your own attributes in your life in and of yourself, but it's the Holy Spirit's control of your life that allows you to do what Christ has called you to do and that, that you're accomplishing those things to His honor and glory. That there's proof the Spirit is moving and working in your life. Is that truth relevant in your life today? Can people look at you, can, can they say, you know what, that, that's an individual, that's a man, that's a woman, that's a, a young man, a young woman who has the Spirit completely in control of their life. Is that you this morning? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. This is what he says about the Spirit-filled life. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You may be seated. So this proof, this proof of the spirit-filled life, 
The first thing I want you to see here is, is in verse 18. It's our walk with the Spirit. This, this, this verse teaches us the following. First, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit should have control. Control. Think about how, how, how liquor, alcohol, controls the life of an alcoholic, of a drunkard. How, how, how it completely takes over every aspect of their life. The Spirit of God should control our life in a similar way as a believer. He should have complete control. When he comes in, we should be completely different. When a person drinks to excess to the place where they are drunk, it affects some things in their life. It affects the way they walk, doesn't it? Any police officer, any state trooper can tell you that alcohol affects the way that you walk. It affects the way they talk. Ask anybody who's, who's doing a sobriety test, it's going to affect the way that they talk. It's going to affect their thoughts. That's why people get behind the wheel of a car and do the crazy things they do under the influence. Because it affects their thinking. It's going to affect your attitudes. Some people, when they drink to excess, they become mean. Some people become, you know, lovey-dovey. It affects your attitudes. It affects your actions. It affects the things that you do. You don't act, you have a different, you have a different way of, of, of behaving. In the same way, the Holy Spirit, when He comes in, He should affect every aspect of our life. We should be different because He has control. Our walk should be different. Our talk should be different. Our thoughts should be different. Our attitudes should be different. Our behaviors and, and actions should be different because He now has control of your life. He should have control, but also we see as He speaks of here in verse 18 of completeness. And look at that word field there in verse 18. The word field means to be full to the top, lacking nothing, nothing short of complete. Complete. If there's room for anything other than the Holy Spirit within your heart, if there's, if there's still room there, then there's a problem. When I was a kid, I used to like to take, you know, buckets and go down to the creek and fill them up with things. And if you filled them up with, with large stones first, you could still put in a lot more little stones on top of those. And after that, you could put in some sand. And even after that, you could put in water until you got it up to the brim. But if you started with water, nothing else could be added because it was completely filled. There wasn't room for anything else in that bucket if you filled it up in the creek with water first. In, in the same way, our life should be so filled up with the Holy Spirit that there is room for nothing else. There's room for no other little things that the world might want to throw in because we are so filled with Him that there's room for nothing else. His will should be our will, and His thoughts should be our thoughts, and His desires should now be our desires. And he is to be in absolute control of our lives. But also we see here that he brings consistency. That little verb is in the active tense, and it means that it is to be in a constant state of being. And so very literally, very literally, we are to go on being filled with the Spirit, continually being filled with Him. Sadly, we see here that that kind of consistent living 
is missing in many Christians' walk with God, that, con- that continual feeling of the Spirit day after day. We think that we can get enough on Sundays and maybe on Wednesday night to do it, but no, we need to be continually, day in and day out, being filled. But then another word is compliance. And that verb is also in the passive voice. It means that this feeling is something that is done to us. It's not something that we can work up on our own. And I think that's sometimes what we fear when we think about the Holy Spirit is we think about people and we like, you know, and I think a lot of what they're doing, they're just working up on their own. But no, if it's truly Spirit-filled, we're not working it up on our own. But we are a vessel of God that He fills for His honor and for His glory. And everything that we're accomplishing because of Him is to His honor, not ours. And that means that we are to be clean, ready, and open to be filled with the Spirit of God. That we, we should have lives that are ready for Him to come in and, and do what He wants to do, not hindered by, by anything that might distract us. But then the word command. It is also worth noting that that verb is in the imperative mood that makes it a command here. Paul is not offering us an option for living, but is laying down the command of God for each and every one of our lives. It's not a suggestion. This is how we are to live. When all these things are taken together, it seems clear to me that it is the Lord's will for every believer to be filled with the Spirit at all times. And when we aren't, then it seems obvious that we are walking in rebellion. We're walking in sin before the Lord. Why is this so serious? Why is it such a serious matter to be filled with the Spirit? Because when we are not walking in the Spirit as we should be, we will not be able to hear His voice when He speaks, and God will not be able to use us as He so desires. Sometimes we say, why does it seem like there are certain people that always seem to be the ones that God uses? And he does the big things in their lives, but he never chooses me. Have you made your vessel ready? Have you allowed yourself to be completely filled with the Spirit of God so that he can use you, that you're available to be used, that you're that instrument that he he can easily reach out and use for his honor and glory? That's what he wants. But then in verses 19 and 20, We see our worship of the Savior. Our worship of the Savior. These verses teach us that we are to be, first of all, a celebrating people. A celebrating people. These verses instruct us to make melody in your heart to the Lord. As individuals, we are to be so filled and thrilled by all the Lord has done in and to us that our hearts are filled with the songs of praise to Him. That word melody means to, to pluck or, or to strum or to, to vibrate. Uh, it's the image of, of a master musician who sits with the harp and, and makes beautiful music, who has such, uh, such knowledge and, and, and such mastery of, of that instrument that they make just the most beautiful melody imaginable. I think that Paul is telling us that when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we will be walking in close communion with Him. And as this takes place, the Spirit will will fill our hearts with love for Him. And like a master musician who who is strumming and plucking those strings of a harp to produce that beautiful music, so the Lord will, will pluck the strings of our hearts and will produce a symphony of praise to the glory of God. I wonder, have you ever been walking around? And suddenly you realize that you've just been, you've been singing a, a chorus of praise and not even really realize it. 
my, my, my family knows I do that a lot. <laughs> know that, what are you doing? But just, you know, singing, just a song of praise that gets in your head and you're in the car or you're just doing your work at the house or whatever it may be and it just comes to your mind. That's a good thing. Maybe, maybe you're like me and sometimes you're just making it up as you go along. Just a, a song of, of praise to the Lord and you're just, whatever the Lord's laid upon your heart and you're just kind of singing it back to him. That's a good thing. That, that, that's, that's what he speaks of here. It's what Paul's talking about. When we are walking in the Spirit, he will produce an overflow of worship for the Savior in our life. We won't be able to keep it in. It's there, so it's going to come out. And that's what the Spirit-filled life looks like, overflowing. The Spirit overflowing out of our lives onto others. That's a beautiful thing. But then also we see it's a contented people. Not only will the Spirit teach us to worship Him with songs of praise, but the Spirit will teach us to worship Him by trusting Him. As the Spirit of God takes control of the believer's life, that believer will be brought to the place where he learns to trust the Lord with every need and for everything in his life. As we grow in the Lord, we will come to understand that, that He is on our side, that He is. He wants what is for our good and for His glory every time. And sometimes that's complicated to us because as we've studied this morning, we live in a fallen world, but he does. He wants what is for our good. And when this truth becomes reality in our hearts, we will be able to say as David did, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. We will know for certain that our God is able to look after us and that he is doing whatever he is doing for our good and for his glory. And that may not be easy for us to see in the here and the now because we're right in the middle of the forest and we can't see everything around us. But He is. He knows what He's doing. What I'm trying to say is the Holy Spirit will teach us here contentment. This was Paul's experience. He experienced that contentment. This will be our experience also as we yield to the filling of the Spirit of God in our lives. And as we come to understand the valuable lessons that God is in control of, of even the smallest details of, of each and every one of our lives, we will come to develop an attitude of gratitude, even for the things in our lives that we don't understand, the things that are hard. We will develop an attitude of gratitude that God, I trust you. When we see someone shouting praises, even as they are passing through one of life's darkest valleys, we know that the flesh doesn't produce that. When they are still giving honor and glory to God on their darkest day, that doesn't just happen. That is the Spirit-filled life. It is the work of the Spirit of God and the work that only the Spirit of God could possibly do within us. Our selfish, critical spirits will have a difficult time existing in the glory of His abiding presence and power. When He takes over, our attitudes will have to change. Remember, when He is filling a life, there isn't room for anything else. But then thirdly, I want you to look there at verses 19 and verse 21 as well. Verse 19 and verse 21. We see our witness among the saints. It has been my experience that dealing with the Spirit of God and with the sovereign will of God, those things are far easier than dealing with the people of God. Has that been anybody else's experience? <laughs> 
Some of these things are much easier than trying to deal with the people of God. One fellow got it right, I believe, when he penned these words. To live above with saints we love, oh, won't that be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, now that's another story. We often sing hymns and choruses about being in one accord and and never having any disagreements of any kind within the church, and it all sounds so tranquil and it all sounds so easy. Give me a break. It's not like that, is it? It's not that easy. It's not that simple. Unity is hard. It is. Because where two or more gathered, there will be a disagreement oftentimes at least in a Baptist church. But we're to work on it. We're to keep working hard. But when the Spirit of God is in control of our lives, when He is filling each and every one of us as individuals, then we will produce, He will produce what we cannot produce. He will produce peace and harmony that sometimes we today can only sing about. because we don't see it oftentimes. But that's what he desires for his church. He desires that accord, one accord. He he desires that tranquility, that that oneness, that unity, that fellowship. And notice the Spirit of God will do for those who are filled by his presence and in his power. We're told that they are to encourage one another. I love that. We're to encourage one another. We're told that the Spirit of God will cause us to sing psalms to one another. That's referring to to the Psalms of the Old Testament and to other Psalms that were popular there in the early church. The point is, is that when we are walking in the Spirit, our objective will be to help brothers to walk closer to the Lord in their walk as well. That'll be the desire of our heart. We will be an encouragement to those who are around us. I don't know about you, but I love, I love the account of the ministry of Barnabas. I love who he was and what he did for the honor and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told that he went to a place called Antioch and was an encouragement to the believers there. Acts chapter 11, verses 22 through 26, it says, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were first called Christians first at Antioch. I want you to notice something there. Did you notice, did you see why Paul was able to be a blessing to the church? What was he full of? The Holy Spirit. He wasn't full of himself. He wasn't full of his own learning. He wasn't full of all these things that the world says that we have to be full of to be a success or, or, or to, to be able to accomplish something of, of great importance. It says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. And that's an important thing for us to see. In fact, Barnabas was not even his real name. His real name was changed. He was given the name Barnabas because it means son of consolation or son of encouragement. His attitude 
of encouragement, his attitude of loving on folks and bringing them closer to Jesus changed his very name. And so it should be in our lives. The Spirit of God so worked in this man that he was being a blessing to the lives of other believers all around him. And it literally changed his identity to son of encouragement. He said, that's who you are. That's who you are. And that's what we're going to call you. May the Lord help us to be an encouragement. When we're filled with the Spirit, He will work through us to produce encouragement for others. And and you watch that person who is constantly discouraging the Lord's work, constantly there kind of saying negative things and backbiting and, and against everything. That person is not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. That person is walking in their own strength. They're walking in their own knowledge, not in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit of God. But notice it also says to edify one another. We're told to sing hymns to one another. That refers to those songs, those, those songs that, that contain that rich religious content. The whole point being that we are to be active in helping one another grow in the Lord. And contrary to, to popular belief, the Lord never calls any of us to tear other believers down. That's not our calling. We haven't been called to, to, to point out every single thing that, that you know, we think is negative about someone else. On social media, when you go on the attack against other believers, you're harming, you're harming your testimony to a watching world. And we sit and go over the list of other church members' sins with our church friends. We're harming our testimony among a watching world. And when we attack another brother or sister in Christ simply because they have a differing political view or whatever other view it may be, we are harming the testimony among a watching world. The Lord has, however, called every one of us to build one another up in the Lord. You see a brother or sister in error? Yeah, go to them. Go to them and and, and talk to them lovingly and encouragingly. But don't do it behind their back. Don't do it in in a biting way. You see, as the Spirit grows us as individuals, we will use the gifts, talents, and knowledge that He gives us to be a blessing to those around us. God never intended for any of us to be a pond. Many of us around here have ponds. What does a pond do? If it doesn't have an outlet, what does a pond do? It stagnates, and that's nasty, okay? It stagnates because it's never giving anything out. And too many of us have, have spiritual lives that are a pond. We come here on Sundays, and we soak in, and we soak in, we soak in, and it just stays there. There's never any outlet. But God has called us as his children. We have been called to be rivers. We receive from him and we allow what we have received to flow back out of us to be a benefit to others around us. Are you using what you have been given for the edification of others or are you just growing stagnant in the Lord? And then he says to exhort one another. Paul next speaks of these spiritual songs. It refers to those songs of the heart. It has the idea of of us coming together for worship. And when we do, raising our voices together in praise to the the Lord who died for us and, and who redeemed us by his grace at the highest price imaginable, the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I think the idea here is that our public worship should be an outward reflection of what God is inwardly doing within our hearts. That's what he's speaking about here. So that when we come together and, and let the outside, let the inside of us come to the outside 
Others in the congregation are exhorted, they're challenged to strengthen their own walk with the Lord. It's an encouragement to them to, to, to praise Him more, to worship Him in a greater way. And that's why we should never be ashamed to put everything that we have into our corporate times of worship together, that we can do more than stand like this as we're singing. Glorious is your name, O Lord. Really? It doesn't look like it. Or, you know, with a frown on your face. He gives me joy, 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 joy. No, he doesn't. Let that which is within you be seen as we worship. Now, I don't want you jumping pews. It's expensive because we have to repair things. But show a little excitement. It helps Brother Rockney when you show a little excitement. When he doesn't have to stir it all up, when the choir doesn't have to try to stir it all up. You worship. You give the Lord all that he's, if you think this is all he's worthy of, then you continue to worship like this. But if you think he's worthy of more, you give him more. You give him more in your worship. Never be ashamed to worship him with all you have. You never know who needs that encouragement. There's some folks that may come into this congregation. They may not be a member, but they come in and they're needing, they're needing to know, is this real? Is this, is this Jesus? Does he really do what people say he does? And if they see us standing here with frowns on our faces and looking like, you know, the, all we can really think about is the buffet that's just between, I'm the only thing between you and the buffet. Okay? And I know that. I know that. But if they can see that on your face, that's a problem. They should see that you are worshiping him and you don't care about all those other things. That you're so filled with the spirit that it's all about him. And that our worship is all about him. You never know what the Lord can do if we just turn loose and worship Him as He deserves to be worshipped, but also exalt one another. Finally, in verse 21, we are commanded to submit ourselves one to another. What does that mean? Well, the word submitting is a, is a military term, so it means to fall and rank under another, and so certainly that has the thought concerning submitting to the leaders within, within the congregation. However, I think it runs a lot deeper than that. It runs a lot deeper than that. The primary idea I think Paul was making here is that we're to get to that place where, where the Holy Spirit of God has such control over our lives that we put everyone ahead of ourselves. That we are the least and we put everybody else above us. That we are the servant to all. That's the attitude that a Spirit-filled life will, will, will produce. And so whatever it is the Lord's called us to do in the church, however great or, or small it may seem, that we do it. We do it to His honor and glory because that's what He's called us to do. We put everyone ahead of us and we serve Him however He has called us to serve. We live in an hour when such thinking is, is unheard of. After all, everyone is demanding their own rights these days. And no one wants to give an inch. No one wants to, to show any weakness. However, in the church, things are to be carried out in a very different kind of way than the way that they are carried on in the world. Notice what Paul said about that matter in Philippians 2, 3-4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in the lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man unto his own things, but every man also to the things of others. Then in verses 5-11 through 11 of that same passage, Paul lifts up Jesus as the supreme example of that ideal. The point Paul is trying to make is that when we are walking in the Spirit as we should be, He will enable us to forfeit our own rights for the good of others within the church. 
And I didn't say that we should compromise the truth. That's not what we're talking about here. If someone is out of line with the Word of God, then we would deal with that. But we deal with it in a loving way. But we deal with that. However, when we are walking in the Spirit of God, we will not seek to force our way, regardless of what it does to the peace of the church. Of This is what I want, and I don't care what happens, I'm going to get my way. That's not a Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled person will back down before they will disrupt the peace in God's church. It all comes down to a willingness to take the back seat instead of demanding our own way. And so, if we were arrested this morning, and if we are put on trial, would there be any proof in our life that we are Spirit-filled? Would there be enough proof to convict us of being Spirit-filled believers? Not just going through the motion churchgoers, but Spirit-filled followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or has the Lord shown you some areas in your life that need some work this morning? Has He shown you that you haven't really been given Him all that He deserves? Has He been showing you there's a need for some, some adjustment in the way you worship? Has He shown you anything? Perhaps this morning He's shown you that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that you don't know Him as your Lord and as your Savior. And if that's, if that's the issue this morning, then the most important thing you can do is come forward this morning. And let's talk. And I'd love to explain to you how you can repent of your sin, turn away from your own ways, and turn into Jesus. And by faith, you can accept the grace that He offers to you and salvation. If that's you this morning, I want you to come. And I want you to be saved today. I want you to know what it is to be Spirit-filled in your life as well. What's the Lord calling you to do? Will you be obedient this morning? Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you. And we thank you for these words from the Apostle Paul, Lord, of what it means to have the Spirit-filled life, what it means to give you complete control over every aspect of our life, leaving no closets locked, but giving you full access. Lord, I pray that we're going to be obedient this morning, that we're not going to play church, but that we're really going to let you move in our midst. And I've got some friends here this morning, they don't yet know you as Savior and as Lord. Lord, help them come today. Help them to let go of the pride, help them to let go of, of whatever it is that's keeping them in their pew each and every week. Help them to come. Help them to say yes to you. Oh, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.